0: Hi, I'm Yusuf Dahl, and when I was 18, I was convicted of selling drugs. For the past three years, I've had difficulty finding housing because it is legal in the United States to discriminate against individuals that have a past drug distribution conviction on their record for life. It doesn't matter if it was a hard drug like heroin or a drug that's now legal or partially legal in many states across the country like marijuana. The Thurman Amendment was introduced to the Fair Housing Act in 1988 by segregationist Strom Thurman. And it's since been used to deny housing to all people. But because people of color are disproportionately jailed for drug charges, we are affected more. My goal is to overturn this amendment to start an end to housing discrimination that unfairly targets people of color. If you would like to join this movement, please visit ThurmanAmendment.org to learn more.
1: A message from the Fable and Folly Network.
2: Oh, Boston is a great city, diversity. You know, people come together. Before, uh, when I just started this school in 1988, I remember I was one of the guys, a young guy, that went to South Boston to demonstrate because they were kind of Irish thing, didn't get along with Italians, and you know, there's feud back in the days. Now it's good. So Boston, diversity is best here. People get along, and I've traveled all over the country. I traveled to um, West Virginia, where I saw some of the poorest people in the world. People don't know what it is to be poor, but I've been to a lot of places that people never know what a city is, and this is America. And Boston, you can go anywhere. You can go anywhere and get anything, any type of food you want. So Boston is a place where you're hard to lose weight. Because if you need Chinese food, you got the best town. Italian foods down North End. You can get Jamaican food down in the Jamaican area. So this is one of the best places to live. I've been all over. Florida, you got to drive far to get something in Florida. But this is one of the best places. If you can't live in Boston and make it in Boston, you can't make it nowhere.
3: Previously, in Greater Boston, a new event appeared on Leon's calendar. Saturday from 3 to 3.15 p.m. Retrieve
4: belongings from Louisa's apartment.
5: You were both on the news that night. The boy who almost died and the fearless brother who saved him. I didn't even help. And then the next thing I know, that crazy-ass pregnant lady is jumping down onto the tracks. And she's saving a frat bro's worthless hide. If that crazy, badass bitch is out here telling me she wants me to vote, I am getting my ass to that voting booth. Braintree. Arlington. Peabody. Haverhill. Lowell. All right. Lowell, Lemons, Fall Lester. River. Cambridge. Quincy. I can't say that one without a uh, I'm just Arlington. Arlington. Framingham.
3: Newton. Lynn. Worcester. This P-B- is. Framingham. Waltham. Quincy. Arlington.
5: Waltham. Somerville. Somerville. Arlington.
3: This is.
6: Lemonster. Haverhill. Brookline.
5: Memphis. Somerville. Cambridge.
6: This is. This is. This is. Greater Boston.
3: This week in Greater Boston, Louisa and Nika wait for a mysterious visitor in The Beekeeper. Chuck Octagon talks to greater Bostonians about the red-line referendum in Man on the Street, and Nika gives her farewell performance in Open Mic. All of that in Episode 10, Vox Populi.
1: this message is for Louisa Alvarez. My name is Charlotte Linzer Coolidge, and I'm working with the mayor of the Red Lion on passing Proposition 2. We're wondering if you'd be available to take some publicity shots of the mayor, possibly surrounded by a mock-up of a happy family inside a train car. We need your expertise to make it look, um, I don't know, normal, if that's possible. Uh, We don't want to make him out to be a savior or anything. Maybe just a local politician popping in for a visit to a happy Boston family who lives on a train. Anyway, if you're interested, please give me a call back at your earliest convenience. Uh, The election is coming up, so we'd appreciate a prompt response. Thank you.
4: Make your own laundry detergent. Separate whites and dark. Research more efficient washing machine options. Discard mismatched socks. Old clothes to Salvation Army or Goodwill. Research Superior Organization. Salvation Army or Goodwill.
3: Louisa put down her phone and poured herself a glass of wine, assuming she'd need it no matter who showed up between 3 to 3.15 p.m. Leon's box of personal items sat at the same spot by the door where they'd been since she collected them. Such a strange phrase. Personal items. It didn't really matter how personal they'd been to Leon. His death made them feel more personal. More meaningful. Clues searching for a mystery. The way they were all arranged together, neatly but with just a dash of chaos. The toothbrush upright in its blue holder along the spine of the collected works of Sherlock Holmes. Made Louisa feel like the box was a symbol of Leon's life somehow. A symbol that made absolutely no sense and perfect sense simultaneously kinda like Leon
4: grocery shopping need eggs, bread, cheese, and coffee feed nearly moldy bread clean garbage receptacles or request new ones from the city people watch along the river attend movie something light and fast 90 minutes nothing for babies, teens, or tweens
3: she peeked out the window looking for Nika She'd invited Leon's sister because no matter what happened, she wanted witnesses. Witnesses and wine. Plus, if someone was impersonating Leon and using his calendar, Luisa figured his sister would want to know. And if he was back from the dead as some kind of
4: organization-obsessed boogeyman, she assumed Nika would want to know that too. Order oil, pay electric, investigate cost of switching to gas, investigate solar panels, investigate wind, investigate geothermal, investigate biomass, schedule interview with seven news. Only two minutes, or the ducks will go hungry.
3: She finished her first glass of wine at five minutes to three, when Nika knocked on the door. Louisa let her in and spewed out a string of apologies about how ridiculous this whole situation was. Nika nodded her head slowly, sat on the couch and hugged her knees. Louisa grabbed the wine bottle and offered her guest a glass. Nika winced and said she didn't drink, but then she reached for the glass anyway. Louisa poured, refilled her own glass, and sat on the floor watching the front door, waiting for something to happen. Which is why she jolted in surprise when behind her, Nika warned her that she didn't think anything was going to happen at all. Louisa asked her why she felt so certain. Nika only sipped her wine. If Nika was right, if nothing did happen, she would find the person responsible for this, even if it was a vapor, an apparition. She would get a photograph of them, a collection of photographs, until she had a complete image. She turned to Nika, realized she was being rude.
1: Why don't you think anything is going to happen?
5: Because I screwed something up, and I think Leon is angry at me.
1: Nika... Leon is dead. I know. He can't be angry with you if he's dead. He can't be scheduling
5: things in your calendar if he's dead either.
1: We can't be certain it's him.
5: True, but even if it is, he won't show up today. I just know he won't. Not anymore. You're a photographer, right? Yes. Has Has there ever been a time where you really, really wanted to take a picture? I'm talking about a once-in-a-lifetime photograph. Maybe you catch a glimpse of the last sliver of the most beautiful sunset ever and you don't grab your camera in time or you run out of batteries or you're not quick enough. You're just too late. The sun sets and it's not bright anymore. It's too dark.
1: Have you, have you ever missed an opportunity like that? Sure, all the time. But, but Nika, there, there was no opportunity for you to save him. There was nothing you could have done. It wasn't your fault. Who told you? What? Who told you about that? About what? You, you, you're you spilling your wine. Did Leon tell you what happened? Did he tell you about Park Street? Did he Did he schedule in your precious little shared calendar? I, I don't know what you're talking about. There was nothing you could do about Leon. It, it wasn't your fault he died. He just died, that's all. 303. I'd uh, like Leon to be late. That sounds like a Leon knock. Nice and firm. He'd never knock twice. You're right. Inefficient. Are you ready? Yes, I think so. Are you? Not in the slightest. Here we go.
6: Luisa Alvarez? Yes. <laughs> Captured the memories of our honey sweet day We look at them fondly and can honestly say No one else could ever hope to compete With your wonderful magic, Louisa You're neat Oh, where have the bees gone? Where have they gone? Wherever they go, our love follows too Oh, where have the bees gone? Where will they go? They've captured forever, all thanks to you Uh, Each uh, snap and each shutter, each angle and lens Captured the magic your photograph sends Our hearts all aflutter with tears down our face Louisa, your magic, your art's full of grace. Uh Oh, where did the bees go? Have they all disappeared? If they all vanish, our hive remains home. Oh, where did the bees go? Is the end near? If the answer is yes, then we won't die alone. Buzz. Singing telegram, courtesy of Mr. and Mrs. Stephen and Rose Turner.
5: Uh, Thanks. I like your beekeeper's outfit.
6: Most appreciated. If you're ever interested in a costumed singing telegram, my other outfit options include a bellhop, Captain Ahab, and Fiona from Shrek.
5: This might sound strange, but do you know Leon?
6: Nope. Says right here, Mr. and Mrs. Stephen and Rose Turner.
1: (sighs) The Turners, right... They got their wedding pictures a few weeks back. They had a living beehive at their ceremony. Honeycomb for dessert. Quirky couple of folks. Sounds sweet. More sticky than sweet.
6: Have a beautiful day, ladies.
5: I'm sorry about earlier. The wine, my little freak out. I-, I was thinking about something else. It's okay.
1: Do you want to talk about it?
5: Maybe some other time. I am performing at the Someday Cafe open mic night tonight, if you're interested. Sure to be quite the show. I'm trying out new material. A little more dramatic. Uh,
1: sorry I have this photo shoot with that Mero the Red Line guy. Let me know if you're doing it again, though. I'd really like to make it. Uh, this
5: might be the last time for a while. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for the wine, too. I think I like wine.
1: Nika... I'm going to figure out who this is. Someone keeps scheduling items into Leon's calendar, and I'm going to track that person down. I'm going to find them, and once I do, they're going to need to schedule some time to explain to me just what the hell is going on.
5: I think it's Leon. I really do. I, I just don't think he can help himself. He always liked to be organized, and maybe this is his way of dealing with death. Maybe he's trying to schedule his way back to us, but he won't be able to. I know that now. Maybe I could have helped him. Maybe I couldn't have, it doesn't matter. All I know is I had a chance to do something good and I disappointed him.
6: Think Think of a a city.
7: city. Maybe Maybe it's it's a a dangerous dangerous city. city.
6: Or maybe that city just has dangerous neighborhoods. A dangerous section of town you know you need to avoid. Now imagine that city is also your commute. That city is how you get
7: to work. That city is how you visit your friends, get to the airport,
6: get to your son's ball game. That city you need, that you rely on daily, is wild and unpredictable. Every time you step into that city, you're not sure of what section of the city you're in. Is this a bad neighborhood? Who knows? Every time you step into that city, you're not sure if it's dangerous or not. You can't prepare yourself. There is no preparation for this city. What
7: lies on the other side of the double sliding doors?
6: A group of muggers? Or a group of something far, far worse?
7: The Red Line has its problems, but at least those problems are predictable
6: and relatively harmless. Vote no on question two. Before the Red Line becomes more than just the name of a trick.
7: Paid for by citizens who hate the red line. This is Chuck Octagon, 7 News, asking average citizens of the greater metro Boston area the question of the day. Sir, what are your thoughts on the upcoming red line secession referendum? Uh, I I
3: would have to do a lot of research, but I like the idea of uncoupling the red line from all the nimbyism and all the bullshit that they have to wade through all
7: the time.
5: I don't know, it seems a little extreme. I mean, I'm... I'm wanting better improvement for the tea, but I, I don't necessarily think totally separating is the, is the right thing for, you know, for the red line or for the people. Oh, my goodness. Did you see that incredible pregnant woman lift that potato sack of a man off the tracks? When I saw it on the news, I won't lie to you, I cried. It was inspiring. More people should do things like that. And believe me, there's truth to what they say about being stronger when you're pregnant. I've had four children, believe you me. One time I lifted up our Saturn so my husband could change the tire. Yep, all by myself. But strength is one thing, bravery another. And bravery is something we don't have enough of these days.
7: Does that mean you're voting yes?
5: (laughs) Don't be ridiculous. It's a rubbish idea if I've ever heard one. I'd vote Democrat before I'd vote for this
8: nonsense.
9: The referendum, huh? The tea thing, the red line? I tell you what, I'm against it. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I've been working for the T 10, uh, le- hell, 12 years. I lose track working for a shit show like this. It is run by cats and dogs, practically. It's just a
6: disaster. I, uh, you know. You write it? You mm-hmm. know. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm voting yes. Everyone I know at the university is voting yes. Uh, which one is question two again? Not that it matters. Voting yes to all. Question one is for the legalization of marijuana in Massachusetts. Question three guarantees affordable living options for all college students, and it's way easier to remember to vote yes for all three. Of course, I wouldn't really want to live on the red line, and I'm getting a little too old for the dorms, but oh well. As long as question one passes, I'm good. Roll those trains right along, dude.
5: (laughs) If it longer is a job for everyone and everyone's well-being, I would say go for it and let's do it. If it's not, if it's only for the rich people, well, think about it.
9: Although, I tell you what, the people that run it is what makes it a mess, right? It's all these bureaucrats, all these bigwigs up on Capitol Hill telling us how to do this, how to do that. They don't ride the trains. They don't know what they're doing. I, you, like, you ever see them on the trains? see them having one of their board meetings on the Green Line sitting outside Fenway Park during a sock series? Disaster. I tell you what, that would get the funding put in order. They could do that.
3: The first thing I think of when I hear secede, and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a word with a lot of connotations, but I think, like, slippery slope. <laughs> um, and so that, that's that's my two sons. I don't have much more.
1: <laughs> well, it kind of makes sense, although I think you might get a little bit of a civil war between the north side of the Red Line and the south side of the Red Line. Why is that? Well, a little bit of different demographics, I think. I think if the Red Line succeeded from... The whole area from, Charles, Charles Street's on the red line, right? Yeah. Charles Street up. That would make sense. Why is that? Because you've got Cambridge.
5: Oh, it's just preposterous. And the timing is particularly suspect, don't you think? My honey boo boo Ethan and I get married on the red line, and a mere two months later, they're suddenly going to let everyone do it? Absurd.
7: You, you were married on the red line?
5: Of course. The Bespin wedding? You're a newsman. Surely you've heard of it.
7: Uh, yeah, maybe I did. Anyway, that sounds like a neat idea and all, but this doesn't have anything to do with weddings so much as
5: it has of to Of with- course it does. Once people live down there, they're going to get married down there too. Don't you see? I can picture it now. Grotesque little chapels with neon lights and fake plastic flowers leading to a red-line altar where Keytar Bear plays Here Comes the Bride and that monstrous green fellow from the baseball games performs the ceremony. Simply disgusting.
9: Oh, I tell you what though, if we take over, I, I ruin the trains, right? Train is a city, that means I ruin the city. I'm the fucking government, that's no good. I can't run the government. I, that's like my worst nightmare. That sends a shiver right down my spine. Oh boy, I don't like that at all. It'd be interesting, It'd definitely be interesting because con- uh, constitutional rights of invading,
6: invading another person's home. I'd probably support it just to see how horribly wrong it goes. <laughs> I don't know, because I've seen, have you ever played Bioshock? You know about Bioshock? I think it'd be like that, because it's dirty in there. It takes so long to clean it. And then it'd be chaotic getting to, like, if it was an emergency, what would you do? How would you get down there? And like, it would be cool. I think it'd be cool, but I think it'd definitely be like Bioshock or something. Splicers. Mm. Splicers.
9: My thoughts on
3: question two? My thoughts. These are my thoughts.
7: have no thoughts?
3: Of course I have thoughts. Do you take me for a fool? You asked for my thoughts, sir. I am thinking them. The question is, are you in tune enough with the aura of the ascended eye to hear them? In any case, it makes no difference what my opinion is on the referendum. The aura of the ascending eye has decided it shall pass. A colleague has foreseen it using the ancient tool of divination known as the I Ching. Therefore, I will vote for what has already been written in the air, in the stars, in the music of the imminent deviation.
9: Oh, Here's the other thing, though. Here's the other thing that may have me coming back around. I would get to live on the trains if this passes. I work for the trains. The mayor said people run the trains. We get first dibs on housing. I've always kind of liked that idea. Riding the rails,
8: living free. That has a lot of appeal. Oh, it's a toughie. Hey, I'm all for it. It's about time the red line succeeds. The way this whole city shut down during the blizzards last year. (laughs) A few flakes and Boston turns into nothing but a chicken coop. (laughs) Brock, Brock! (laughs) My Ford Taurus got buried eight times last winter. You know how I got it out? Shifting gears, revving the engines, elbow grease, pure horsepower. The T, and they got trains. You're telling me trains can't get through some stinking snowflakes? (laughs) What is snow anyway? It's cold water, that's all it is. Trains can't run through some cold water. What's next? We gonna shut down the city during some rain? I mean, please. Who's the idiot that won't vote for this? Everyone thinks the tea needs to run better, and this year has it right in the name of the thing: red line succession.
7: Did you, did you say succession?
8: That's that's what it's called, isn't it? Like like a successful thing, like like a su- concussion, but with like success.
7: It's a secession. If it passes, it would effectively turn the red line into its own city.
8: Ugh. Well, that's a crazy idea. That's that's crazy talk. But I still vote yes. I mean, I never change my mind once it's made up. That's bad juju. It's bad, bad luck. Oh, well. I'm sure it won't pass anyway. It's a crackpot idea, that's what it is. I, I I'm sorry. What is this? Who who are you? I, I, I'm not seeing you on my schedule.
7: You just scheduled it with me two minutes ago.
6: Uh, you're right. There it is. But it looks like those two minutes are up. Now I've got something else coming up. Feed ducks near moldy bread, and then after that I gotta pick up my dry cleaning. God, it's hard keeping up with the schedule. Those ducks are gonna be pissed if I'm late. Uh, I I don't know. Uh, yes? Maybe? Yes.
7: Your name and place of residence, sir?
6: Ain't got one. Where y'all standing?
7: You're, you're homeless. I'm really curious about your thoughts on question two, then. I mean, this will undoubtedly affect the homeless population. Would you take residence
6: on the red line? Hell no! Sounds like that Snowpiercer movie I've seen on the Netflix. You have Netflix? Of course, who doesn't? But you're homeless. Yeah, I'm homeless. Not Netflix-less. Why is it all you boobs can't wrap your heads around the simple fact having a home ain't the end-all be-all of existence? I'm out here around people all the time. I'm living and breathing this community. I see everything, I smell everyone. I don't have a home, don't mean I got nothing else. It's everything right here in front of my eyes.
3: I I think if there's no first class car, I'm not interested.
7: So as long as it's not like Snowpiercer. (laughs) Well, as long as it's like Snowpiercer, but I'm in the first class car. And that's the message from the people. Also interviewed, the mayors of Boston and Cambridge, as well as Governor Hutchinson. All three politicians share the same sentiment. To quote the governor, please, by all means, Take the entire MBTA away from us. And good luck to you once you do. Chuck Octagon, 7 News.
5: Hello again. It's Nika. A few weeks ago, I spoke to you about deciding to be famous. My brother Leon was with me then. He always came with me to these things, and he never made me feel stupid for wanting to be famous. Once on the walk over here, I asked him if he thought I should prepare more. You know, be not so um, off-the-cuff, off the you know, juggle magic, tell jokes or um, amusing anecdotes. And he asked me if it made me happy talking to you about my brushes with fame. I said it did. But I have decided to stop for several reasons, uh, one of them being that in the week since my last visit, Leon has died. I was with him when it happened. Uh, We were on a roller coaster. And I know what you're thinking, keep going, Nika. Don't give up, Nika. Leon would have wanted you to keep pushing, Nika. People are always saying encouraging crap like that. And um, I'm sure you're all trying to be supportive. But maybe not everyone is supposed to pursue their dreams, you know? Like Hitler, Uh, did people tell him to keep going and not give up on his dreams? I certainly hope not. We might be a little bit better off if people were more discouraging towards Hitler. (laughs) (coughs) I know a few of you. I have heard your open mic performances from time to time, and it's hard standing in front of strangers and trying to believe in yourself, trying to reach someone with your story. I've always liked coming here because all you other strangers get it. You know how difficult it can be, but and don't take this personally. Sometimes I wonder if we're all too focused on how hard it is, all too focused on the stress of telling our stories, all too stressed about whether someone will listen that we forget to listen to anyone else. If I dropped on the floor right now, if, if I started shaking uncontrollably, and if I managed to breathe out, help me... Help me, I can't stop shaking between gasps for breath, would you? Would you climb on stage and see what you could do? Or would you assume that I was nuts? Would you think, oh, this is all part of her act? Since Leon's dead, I'm going to share with you a story that he tried to tell me after he died. Yes, I know how that sounds. I know you're nervous. Please listen to what I'm trying to say. I went to the seance the other day. And it was pretty weird. We were holding hands, and this guy named Extinction Event was calling to Leon and reading from this old book that smelled like musty spider. But then, the weirdest thing happened. Leon spoke to me. Well, kind of. He spoke through a note that came through a pneumatic tube. I know what you're thinking. That could have been anyone, Nika. Trust me, if you knew Leon, you'd know it was definitely from him. On the front of the note was one word, Danahy. That's the park where my brother, Dimitri, almost died when we were kids. And I did nothing. I watched him fall into an ice mountain, frozen still as the snow. And I watched Leon save him. So when I got Leon's message at the seance, I thought I knew what he was trying to say. He was warning me. Someone would need to be saved, and this time I couldn't afford to be frozen. He also wanted me to send word to Dimitri, so I had this idea of going to the Charles and tossing in a message in a bottle. A mostly useless gesture. Did you
9: shut up already?
5: Pretty hard for him to hear me when an ocean lies between us, but I hope someday, somehow, he gets it. This is a brain When I left the seance, I was determined to throw my message in a bottle into the Charles. I transferred at Park Street. The mayor of the Red Line was having his press conference, and it was quite the nutty scene. And then those two kids tried to jump the divide. One made it, the other didn't. And I saw him fall into the tracks right in front of me. He was bleeding from his temple, and his body looked crumpled like dirty laundry on your floor. And I was the closest person to him near the front of the tracks, and I could hear a train coming, and I was screaming at myself in my head, go, go, go. But every inch of my body felt like a fist. And then I watched that pregnant lady, the one who's been all over the news, the one who's working for the mayor of the red line, the one who's a hero now. She saved him. She lifted him up and tossed his body over the yellow third wheel paint. And I got so angry that she could do what I couldn't. And I was angry at myself for freezing up the way I did. And I was angry at her for taking the opportunity from me. And then I got angrier at myself for getting angry at her at all. She deserves the attention. I'm glad she saved him. Mostly I'm just angry that that. I wasn't strong enough. And after all these years, I am still nothing but a, but a coward. And hours later, I finally managed to move and make my transfer, only one stop. And the train crawled like a dying slug, jerking us all back and forth. I walked to the bridge, scribbled Dimitri my letter, and I flung it in the water fling it right in his face if I could. That's how I threw the bottle. On the tea ride home, I walked to my seat and I stared at every face I passed. I stared at them until they were uncomfortable. Until they judged me for looking. And I needed their judgment. I stared at them all and I wondered if it came right down to it would I be able to save them? Would they be able to save me? Do any of us deserve to be saved? No. Being here tonight reminds me of being on the T. You can hear it underneath us. The Davis station is below the floor. We're like passengers here. We sit in our seats and we quietly watch one another making decisions and assumptions about our lives. We're politely aware of each other even when we're daydreaming or staring into our phones, bored and distracted. We perform for one another, and all the other strangers judge how convincing our performance is. Maybe that's why we're so quiet on the train. We're too busy pretending that our stories are the only ones we can hear. When you're a passenger on the T, you are an audience member and a performer at the same time. Surrounded by strangers who are all pretending to be all alone I feel more like a ghost than Leon probably does he keeps managing to affect people's lives even after he's dead I am alive and couldn't save someone I am alive and I'm surrounded by people all the time and I can't bring myself to talk to them only to you guys which is why I'm not coming to open mic night anymore. It is too comforting, surrounded by the types of strangers who understand me. I think that I wanted to be famous because everyone automatically loves famous people. It's so easy (laughs) if you ever want to be liked, you just step right outside your door and some stranger out there will like you, no matter what you've done. Um, excuse me? For all of us unloved cowards. Excuse me. Incapable of saving someone. I'm sorry, excuse me? Can I just get get by? Help me. Excuse me. Help me. I can't stop shaking. I can't stop shaking. Uh, I need to... Okay, okay, never mind.
3: Greater Boston is written and produced by Alexander Danner and Jeff Vandriesen, with recording and technical assistance from Mark Harmon. Please consider supporting Greater Boston on Patreon. We're nearing the end of Season 1 with just two more episodes to go. We plan to keep producing monthly mini-episodes while we're on between-season break, but if we can hit our next milestone goal on Patreon before the season finale airs, we'll double that schedule to deliver a new mini-episode every other week until the show returns in full. You can also help the show by telling your friends to listen or by rating us on iTunes. In order of appearance, this episode featured Summer Unson as Charlotte Linzer Coolidge, Brayden Lamb as Leon Stamatis, Alexander Danner as the narrator Julia Propp as Luisa Alvarez Kelly McCabe as Nikas Tomatis Mike Linden as the beekeeper the Ford Taurus owner and a citizen who hates the red line Jeff Van Driesen as Chuck Octagon and a citizen who hates the red line Jim Johansson as Libertarian MBTA employee Michael Melia as stoner student Sally Heckel as Republican Saturn lifter Sam Musher as Emily Bespin James Capabianco as Extinction Event Paletti James Oliva as Michael Tate, and Ben Flaumenhaft as The Homeless Man. Interviews recorded with Greater Boston residents. Charlie on the MTA is performed by Emily Peterson and Dirk Tidi, Muñera de Roada by Adrienne Howard, Emily Peterson, and Dirk Tidi. Some sound effects and music used from public domain and Creative Commons sources. Episode transcript will be posted online at greaterbostonshow.com. Greater Boston is written in part at the Writers' Room of Boston, a nonprofit workspace for Boston area writers. Find out more at writersroomofboston.org.
1: My favorite part about it is that it goes very, very fast. And my least favorite part of it is that my mom and dad never let me stand.
7: <laughs> That's for your own so, safety, I so, think. Yeah.
3: So you're in favor of living on the red line? Yeah,
9: okay. That's a yes? Excellent. All right. Our future
1: citizen. The Fable and Folly Network, where
5: fiction producers flourish. Hey, we're the looters. Hey. <laughs>
1: what's up?
7: Looters is a sci-fi western actual play podcast using the Stars Without Number system.
3: We're a group of friends getting into trouble all over the universe.
7: So come with us if you're into adventure. A rocket flies out of one of these ships far behind you and crashes into the wall
9: and blows up.
5: There's rockets? It's
9: Mario Kart. Crazy. Intrigue. Can I hack into the body and maybe see if they have like a memory data bank in their
6: brain or some shit like that that I can access? Metal, literally.
9: <laughs> <laughs>
3: devastating physical injury just
6: Uh, take (laughs) cover she's she's a good
7: pilot everyone (laughs) (laughs) she's very good
3: and
2: And friendship friendship.
1: new episodes of looters out every tuesday wherever you get your podcasts